Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diodana, along with assistant sports editor Will Kennedy. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about, especially high school basketball. It's, we're in the middle of our rivalry week this week. We, uh, with the teams splitting up conferences, uh, you know, the past couple of years and then having a COVID year last year, we have not had a week quite like this, but this week we're ha- seeing Holland versus Holland Christian, Holland versus West Ottawa, Zeeland West versus Hamilton, Zeeland East versus uh, West Ottawa, and Hamilton versus West Ottawa on the girls' side. And some of those matchups are also boys' and girls' matchups. Uh, so that's a lot of local teams <laughs> facing each other in one week. Um, not to mention that Holland Christian is also going to be facing South Christian in a girls-boys doubleheader this week as well on Thursday. So uh, lots, lots of basketball things going on. Last night, the big... Uh, the big rivalry was Holland versus Holland Christian. Uh, Will covered the girls' game, and I was at the boys' game. Uh, it's the first uh, – they did not play each other last year. Last year was like the first year in the rivalry that they did not play each other. Uh, they switched conferences, so they were no longer, you know, a conference matchup. And then COVID shortened the season, and that was one of the games that got um, eliminated. So uh, really nice to see. I was at – the boys' game was at the Civic Center. Really nice to just be – watching that rivalry again um that to go a year without that uh rivalry is really really unfortunate for the community i mean the the two most iconic places to play basketball are the civic center and the dutch dome and uh to not have the rival a rivalry game like that in there is was just uh another unfortunate byproduct of of the pandemic and conference uh, realignment so uh, to have that back was really, really exciting. And the game lived up to it. I mean, it was, uh, I know it ended up being Holland Christian beat Holland by, you know, maybe 12 or 13 points, but they, uh, Holland Christian hit, I think six or seven free throws down the stretch, all of them, uh, that they attempted. And, uh, it was close, uh, midway through the fourth quarter. And then a couple baskets by overway put Holland Christian ahead. And then, like I said, they, for- they forced some, some bad shots and then made their free throws and it, it looked the school final score looked way uh way out of whack for what the game actually was i mean holland actually had the lead at the end of the third quarter near the end of the third quarter and for most the first half of the fourth quarter they were down three so it was a one possession game for um a good shot i would say it was a one possession possession game almost the entire game um there's just a couple runs where holland christian got it to a couple possessions and then it came back to a single possession and then it went to a single possession in Holland's favor. And then it came back and it was, uh, I mean, that's what you expect from a rivalry game. I mean, um, it was, uh, it was a really impressive, uh, defensive performance from Holland, given the fact that Jalen overway is six, eight, and he's just a beast down there and he can shoot the three. He made two threes. I mean, he can, you can't, uh, you can't just keep him away from the basket and hope that that's not going to, you know, keep him from scoring because it won't. Um, but he was, I mean, he still had 16 points. He had those two, two uh, shots in the lane, uh, you know, midway through the fourth quarter that put it through and he hit two threes early in the, in the game. But besides that, uh, I know it's, that's still, uh, that's still 10 points, but be, I mean, I I've seen him score well over 30 uh, in games. Yeah. So for them yeah. to, for them to do that uh, and hold him to that, uh, he also had two free throws, you know, at the end of the game as well. So, I mean, they, for the most part, he, they did as good as I've seen anybody do on Jalen um, yeah. the last couple of years. I mean, and you uh, get the box score. If you're not at a Holland Christian game and you get a box score from their coach, Brad Jansen, and Jalen Overway has less than 20 points, you're like, whoa, that's weird. Right. Right. I mean, and then that's that's how it goes. I mean, like there's some games where you look and you say, oh, he only had you know, 14 points. And then you see that somebody hit like four or five threes, you know, or yeah, something exactly. like that. And yeah. that, but this was tremendous defense. Now, uh, Holland Christian also played tremendous defense and that is what won them the game because it was close through three quarters. I mean, it was close the whole game, but, um, Jackson Van Hecken played a fantastic game and he was huge in the first half. He had nine points in the first half. They shut him out in the second half. Yeah. And that was the key because he's the one that kind of uh, runs the off. He runs the offense for Holland and he, uh, you know, allow him driving allows people to collapse on him and he kicks it out for shots. And he was able to do that in the second half, but the shots that fell in the first half for Holland weren't falling in the second half. 
Um, and then they ended up only scoring four points in the fourth quarter. And that, and that was the end of it. I mean, it was not be, I mean, they had a, a few possessions where they rushed and they were pressing because they were behind and it was, you know, getting toward crunch time. But for the most part, Holland Christian's defense did that to them. And it yeah. was, uh, um, it was just a tremendous defensive battle on both teams and just watching defenses adapt to who they're playing because Holland might not play anybody that's the rest of the year that has anybody like Jalen Overway. I doubt they will. And Holland Christian will play lots of games where they have to focus on different aspects of the game instead of the point guard or yeah. the point guard and kickouts and whatever. So for them to adapt to their rival and both play fantastic defense uh, was, it just made it a great high school basketball game to watch. Uh, the rivalry was very exciting. Both student sections were uh, in full force and very, very loud. And that made for a super fun uh, atmosphere. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a good game. Good to have the rivalry back, um, at the, uh, at the civic center and just the rivalry back in general this year after a year off. Yeah. Um, and will the girls were, the girls were back too. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you had that sort of, uh, I'm glad you were able to get that fun rivalry experience and the atmosphere and everything. Cause I certainly didn't, um, the game itself was good. Holland Christian sort of, you said uh, your game was closer than the score indicated. My game was further apart than the score indicated. Um, I think Holland Christian ended up winning by about 15. They were up by as much as like 21 in the fourth quarter. Um, but in terms of atmosphere, uh, I mean, all the students, you know, probably went to the Civic and, and, and went to the boys game. It was just uh, the Dutch Dome was was pretty quiet all night, sadly, um, which is which is very disappointing uh, for me, especially considering Holland girls have are having their best start in a foreseeable memory they're four and one right now they won six games in the past four years total and now they're four and one and and they're having the best season so i expected a little bit more support but you know what can you do uh but yeah, they, it's they, tough they, when they put those on the same day i mean it's really yeah, that's, not, that's, that's some thing. of those games used to be like friday night double headers when they did girls boys double headers which would be awesome yeah um, but that would be it's fun. really unfortunate yeah um, but, but in terms of the game itself, uh, started out really sloppy on, on both sides, like the first four or five minutes, you know, just sort of feeling each other out. Um, but then Holland Christian's defense just sort of took over. It seemed like everything, uh, Holland even tried to put up like a shot up. Somebody was there to swat it away. I called them the, the, basically Holland police department SWAT team was there. Um, <laughs> they're just swatting everything, everything, everything out. Um, and then that in turn, got them on in transition defense. And then they sort of built the lead. I think by the end of the first, they were ahead by seven end of this at halftime, they were ahead by like 10 and then going into the fourth quarter, they were ahead by like 20. Um, and their defense held Holland to single digit points in all of the first three quarters. Um, they came back a little bit, cut the lead to, I think about nine at one point in the fourth quarter, but there was only like a minute and a half left. So at that point you kind of knew it was over. Um, and then they just, you know, Holland Christian made their foul shots, extended the lead again, and, and, and it was done. Um, Ellie Zomer from Holland's a really good player. She had 13 points um, on the night, uh, ended up fouling out very, very, very late in the game with about a minute left, maybe less. Um, but she, she played well. I mean, that team is – the roster is entirely from top to bottom is all seniors um, for Holland. So they're going to, you know – they have a ton of experience. Granted, it hasn't been successful experience, but that experience is certainly going to help them pay off um, down the road, especially now that they have the confidence that they have shown they can win four out of five games. Right, um, and now they have that successful yeah, exactly. experience. Um, so they're going to be good to watch. But but Holland Christian is just is is just a really good team. They're very sound. They're very fundamental. They hustle. If there's a ball that's even half an inch away from from the offensive players, you know, uh, control they're going to run and try and get it and cause a steal and, and cause a turnover. They're going to like lay, lay their bodies out on the line. There's girls like flopping all over the court and getting for balls last night for, for Holland Christian. Um, they, they, they have a lot of hustle and a lot of effort and not to say Holland doesn't, but it was just, they seemed a bit more energized last night. Holland Christian did. Um, and then their transition offense is great. Cause like I said, they get blocked on one end and then they'll just, run up the court real quick and, and get an easy layup or, or an open three and, and they make most of their threes. Um, so that's kind of how they, they sort of extended the lead and, and, and made it sort of, uh, uh, I don't know the word, like, you know, sort of uh, impossible to overcome. For reach, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was fun though. I mean, it, in terms of atmosphere and rivalry aspect, it, it wasn't, it wasn't there like it was at the civic, it seemed. Um, but you know, the team, the two teams certainly don't like each other and they want to beat each other, which is, which is, that was apparent, but it wasn't 
as hype as the, as the civic was or the football game I went to in week one, that, that was hype. They don't, they, they clearly were, were hyped for that, but for this sure. one was a little less, um, a little less intense, I would say in terms of the rivalry factor. For sure. For sure. Um, it does. <clears throat> Holland's start though is, is really good for just girls basketball in the area in general too. And it shows that, I mean, Holland Christian obviously won, I guess handily is the right word or whatever, but, yeah, um, but having Holland Christian, West Ottawa, Zealand West, Hamilton all play really close games against each other. Yeah. So far already <clears throat> is good for girls basketball across the board. We, we're used to having one or two, <clears throat> excuse me, one or two really good teams that are great, but then the, the, a lot of the games are lopsided, yeah. you know, and you might only have one close game a year um, uh, involving the, the most important teams, at least as far as double local games. And uh, this year, a lot of the double local games have been close, which has been uh, really good. I think that, you know, the, the ceiling has come down a little bit with, you know, Hamilton's dynasty coming to a close. And I'm not saying that Hamilton's not good. They're one of the better teams still too, yeah. but it's not the team, you know, that no. was making deep postseason runs every single year at state semifinals and such. So that ceiling has come down, but the floor has risen. Yeah, and I would say even last night, I mean, a game like last night, Holland down by 20 in the going into the fourth quarter. I would say any of the last years you've you've been here working, uh, Holland would have just rolled over and that lead would have went to like 30 or 40. Um, but, you know, they, they got it back within 10 at one point um, and, and they really fought and they really, you know, don't yeah. give up. And, and I think that that says a lot about the mentality of the team and, and where they have the ability to go going forward, sort of. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. You know, that never give up cliche is super cliche, but I mean, for a team like Holland to, to show that after all they've been through in the past few years, I mean, that means a lot. Right. I mean, like you said, they've won six games in the past two years combined. Three. Um, what three? Yeah. They, they didn't win a single game last year. Right. And then, I mean, they, and then they won a couple games here and there the years before, but then they had, two or three years before that where they also didn't win a game or won one game or yeah. something like that. It's been a really, it's been a really rough, rough patch. Just, I mean, what, what's happening is they're getting a lot of, um, they, they have some decent athletes, but basketball is never seems to be anyone's first sport or yeah. best sport. Um, Ellie Zomer, it's her for uh, basketball is her sport. She's going to play, uh, I think at U of M Dearborn. Um, so she's, basketball is her sport so they finally finally have at least a leader like that they had somebody like that a couple years ago Aaliyah Smith but she also was a really good soccer player uh, but she was a good she was definitely a good basketball player too and uh I think went on to play like at the junior college level or something like that. She was a really that, volleyball just, player too if I recall. Yeah she yeah. was yeah so it's just uh um you know having having a few you know a couple pieces around a player like that and, and again with all seniors that's incredible too because they've They've been through it. Um, yeah, it's really bizarre. You know, so, right. I mean, it's cool, so, but it's bizarre. You don't see it often. And it was a contrast because Holland Christian has only one senior on the entire roster. Right. Um, which is right. And that was kind of the same thing when Holland Christian played West Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. West Ottawa's loaded with seniors, um, even though they're maybe their top player might be a sophomore, Gabby Reynolds. But they're, they've got the rest of the four starters are seniors. They're first off the bench as a senior. So, yeah. Um, it's just interesting, but we'll see what happens. Um, on the girls' side, we've got West Ottawa versus Hamilton on Friday, so that'll be a really good uh, matchup. And Holland Christian will face South Christian on Thursday, uh, which also should be a good matchup. So um, lots of good lots of good games to start the year uh, on both yeah. sides, which has been really incredible. So we also had um, Zeeland West beat Hamilton uh, on Tuesday night in the boys on the boys side by five points with a late a late shot and then a couple free throws uh, to seal it. So that was an extremely close game, which is also a now a non conference game. Uh, West Ottawa hung on or beat West Ottawa beat Zeeland East. That one wasn't quite as close. Uh, you know, Zeeland East after losing their top six players from last year's nineteen and one team. Yeah, um, obviously it's going to be a bit of a rebuild. Um, but they had their moments too. They had some moments against West Ottawa. And I think that that's, this is going to be a very growing year for a young team for them. That was a district championship game last year, wasn't it? Yeah. West Ottawa over Zealand East. I think Zealand yeah. East won a close one. Yep. So it's, uh, it's, it, it's there. There's lots of games, 
between local teams, lots of even matchups on the boys' side as well. So you saw one of those on Friday, Zealand West uh, beat West Ottawa on a, was it a buzzer beater? Yeah, it was, it was a buzzer. It was the first buzzer beater I think I've ever seen in my life uh, in person, actually, which was pretty cool. Um, it was back and forth game all night, like all night. Nobody had a lead bigger than eight points. Um, West Ottawa looked like they were going to take control early into the third. Um, I think Brady Bosma, I think is his name. Yeah. One of the Bosmas. There's a bunch yeah. of them at that school. There are. Yeah, Brady Bosma. Um, he had a really big quarter. I think he had seven points in the third quarter, and it looked like it was going to sort of spiral out of control there for, for Zealand West, but then they hunkered down, got right back, came back, um, got a few really good defensive plays, really good steals. Um, one play that stuck out in my mind was Mayor Alderank, who was the kid who hit the buzzer beater about maybe a couple minutes before that he hit that shot in the fourth. Uh, uh, Kobe Haglin was going up for a little mid-range jumper. Mayor Alderank outsizes him by like probably a foot. He's huge. He's like 6'6", swats it down, get that transition defense, or transition offense, I should say. And then on the other end, Mary Aldering finishes with the alley-oop on, on, on the back end. So like that, that sort of changed the momentum. They're still down, I think by one point after that, but you could see the momentum changing. Um, and then, you know, 30 seconds left, Zealand West just says, we're going to hold the ball, get for last shot, tie game. I think it was 48, 48 or 49, something like that at this point. Um, and then, you know, Zealand East, uh, Zealand West controls the ball. Like, All right. They, they go to one corner then they, they they move around to the other corner. And then I don't remember who got the assist, but someone just dishes it out to Merritt. Merritt gets way over, like jumps way over his defender. And it was well defended too. He just had the size and he just got over him and hit the buzzer beater. And as soon as the, the ball hit the net, all you hear was a big horn and, and game over. And uh, it was, I'm not a huge basketball fan, uh, full disclosure, but that game was fun. That game was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Those, I mean, those are the moments, you know, that, as, as cliche as it sounds for high school players, those are the moments they'll remember forever. Things yeah, like and, that. And it was cool just because like, you know, it was, it was a competitive game. And like a lot of times, uh, especially last year, a lot of times I'd go to, I'd go to these games like an hour away from my home and it'd be a blowout. And I'd be like, well, I mean, it makes my life easier because I can write my story by the end of halftime. So I know what's going to happen, but it's just like not particularly entertaining, uh, entertaining com- content for me. Um, sure. But no, these, this year so far, I think every basketball game I've been to outside of Hope Women's basketball game has been entertaining because Hope Women are just going to dominate anybody. Right. I mean, and they and that's, uh, like I said, both boys, I don't remember a year where both the boys and girls sides, we had so many local teams that were so evenly matched. Again, even if they're not, you know, postseason deep run great. Yeah. They're, nobody's bad. Yeah, and exactly. they're, you know, and they all, uh, they've all got, uh, all the games will end up being competitive. So this, this could be an unprecedented year as far as uh, competitiveness across the board, which is exciting. So um, you mentioned the Hope women, obviously they did not have a terribly entertaining game. Well, uh, Saturday they won by what, 70 over Kalamazoo? I think a little more than that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I would, I would say uh, Hope games are not entertaining in terms of competition, but they are entertaining. If you ever go to a Hope basketball game and you're like looking at uh, the scores table and I'm sitting in the second row, 90% of the time, I'm just laughing so hard because it's so absurd how good this team is. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah, laughing yeah. the entire time. And it's not saying I'm laughing at the other team because they're bad. I'm just laughing because it's just like, it's unfair. It's just, right. it's not fair. They're so good. Right. And that defensive game plan has been that good. I mean, this is a, fever pitch year for them, obviously, you know, where, uh, you know, the past couple of years they've been, you know, perhaps the best they've been, or at least the best they've been since the 2006 championship team, but they've, they've been to other final fours. They've been, they've been to the elite eight a bunch of times. Their, their defense is what drives them. And it's the same defensive scheme that they've run since Morehouse started. And it just works. Um, It's amazing to get that kind of help style defense to work well, the, this well and continue to work. It's just gears now. You're just replacing the defense gears. This is really good and it's a staple of hope. But this year, their offense is, is insane. So, Hope College as a program, however long they've been playing basketball on the women's side, has gotten to 100 points 32 times total. Three of them are in this year already and they've only played like eight games. Right. So, like, the offense is absurdly good this year. Like, it's usually pretty good and they can get the set, 80s, uh, 90s high 90s but like they're like just dominating people and if they played their starters the entire games 
they could have 150 points if they wanted to. Right. That is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. And sometimes we even take for granted is when they're winning big, it's so impressive that they don't, you know, that that's what happens because they're, I mean, a lot of times too, when they're up to the last four or five minutes of both halves is the third unit. Yeah. I would think that's incredible that you have that kind of depth that can keep that going. Most um, the Kalamazoo game, the third unit played most of the entire second half and they mm-hmm. still got to hundred. I think they, I think they got to like one Oh seven was the final they got or something like that. But I mean, either crazy. way, it, every crazy. person on the team scored four players hit career highs in that game. Um, it's just insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Now this Saturday's game will not be like that. I mean, if it is, I wouldn't be surprised to be quite honest. I mean, they're playing what? It's trying number three. No, they they lost the game. They're number seven. Um, number seven. They lost the game earlier in the year. So, so it's Hope versus Trine. Um, it's At in Trine. Indiana. Is it called Trine, Indiana? Is that the name? No, it's Angola, Indiana. Angola, Indiana. That's the name um, of the town. So they're going there, and uh, Trine is the only team that even gave them any sort of competition last year. Hope went three and zero against them. Um, the first game they won by like four points. The second game they won by nine points, and the third game, which was the MIAA title game, they won by ten. Um, so those are all very close games. Um, even though you were at the MIAA title game with me, it right. seemed like it was more than ten. Like they kind of dominated that whole. Oh game. yeah, I mean, given the hype of the game and the quality of the opponent, that yeah, I mean, that was kind of a blowout. Even they, though they like, were they they were in control. Yeah, the entire, entire time. Um, this year, who knows what it's going to be like. I know Trine only graduated one or two players from last season. Um, Hope obviously has three super seniors and a ton of depth behind them. Um, so it should be fun. I'm excited to watch it. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can't get down to Angola, Indiana, they have a live stream on Hope's website to certainly watch for free. I believe it's free. I, they've been free in the past, so I don't know why they wouldn't be now. Um but yeah, no, the, the, the game they had the most trouble with last year was when they went to Trine. That was the one they won by four points, I think. Um, and it came down to the final 15 seconds of the game. Um, just some really good defense by Olivia Voskel, who's still around and still intense and still the greatest defensive player in Hope College history. She actually tied the program record for blocks um, against Kalamazoo with 215. She's called, probably going to break it on, on Saturday afternoon. Um, and if she doesn't, I'd be shocked. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be the most competitive game of the year so far without a doubt. Um, but hope just seemed, I mean, they've always been really good. They seem different this year. They seem like in that, when you, when you look back at history and talk about like special teams, they seem like they're a special team this year. Right. I I can't see anybody touching them. Yeah. So, I mean, this will be a good, this will be the, this will be the gauge. I mean, trying is a. Trine is an awful place to play for opponents. I mean, it is, they, I don't, I don't, I mean, I've been, I've covered some games there. I still am not necessarily sure why, what it is about it. I mean, the, they, they've had, it was a tough place to play before they got really good and the fans started coming out more to, to women's games, but like they hope good, really good ranked hope teams have fallen there to unranked trying teams, really? both the men and the women. Okay. Um, they or you know for losing to number twenty two, you know some of those games too. But like, it's a really hard place to play. Albion used to be that way as well. Um, they had a run where um, even <clears throat> Hope's championship year and the year after, when they uh, you know were ranked maybe number one or two for a good chunk of the year. They they struggled at, at Albion. They lost one of those games, uh, not the championship year, but they they lost one. There was one game where they were down eighteen at half and ended up losing. And then the next year they were down. I feel like they were down in the teens at half again and ended up coming back to win that game. But it's a it's a difficult place to play. But I've also covered games at Albion and I get it. The gym setup, the students, the the odd feel of it. You feel like you're almost playing in like an old warehouse um, in a good way. Like, I don't think it's a, that's not a knock. Uh, It's just the way the shape of the building is and everything. Um, But I get why it's hard to play there, but like just aesthetically 
and everything else. And atmosphere wise, I will, I'm not sure why trying is so hard to play. I mean, I get it a little bit more now with the women's team being so good, they get more fans and it gets louder. But it, it, again, it was a hard place to play before that. So, well, I mean, even last uh, year it was hard to play and they didn't have fans. So, right. Right. There's just something about it. And, uh, I, I like that there's places like that, you know, there should be those kind of road games, you know, that, that, that bring a little mystique with it. Um, I think that that's uh, kind of a fun element of basketball. I mean, like we've seen it so many years too, like in the big 10, even, uh, even when Minnesota has an off year, for some reason, that's a really hard place for people to go up and play in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously Purdue, but that's not quite as, surprising because Purdue usually is quite good um Minnesota has been very good at times but it's not always that way um so it's just you know it it, it adds something to it um I think it's something that levels the playing field in basketball a little bit too which is which is kind of fun so um should be really interesting uh that's for sure I'm excited to watch it I know everyone you know Calvin is obviously hopes rival and everything but for my money in women's basketball Calvin's sort of irrelevant uh trying is their rival right well, in a year or so, when we, you know, we, you, Calvin has another year of recruiting under their relatively new coach. And once the super seniors are gone, the playing field will level a little bit. But again, it's going to take a lot more than just that to make it. I was going to say, I'm not sure the playing field will even level that much because, the, like we said, the depth behind those super seniors is still really, really good. Right. So, I mean, that's, it's, uh, which is, it's true. I mean, trying the last, uh, at least, five, six years trying. It's definitely been the big, the big rivalry game. Um, and that will be again this week. Um, Will, you also saw the Hope men's team play. Uh, they played against the number four team. Was it Platteville? Platt, yeah, I think, I guess um, that's pronounced. Wisconsin Platteville. Um, just what, what did you see from, uh, from the Hope men? Um, it's kind of the same thing you've been writing about all year. This is my first time I've seen them, but it's sort of the same thing you wrote about all year. Like they had open shots, um, played really good defense against a really top, you know, number four team in the country, Platteville. Um, played really good, had a chance to win it, um, late, but they just can't make shots, man. I think they're shooting 38% on the year from the field. And I think against Platteville, they shot like 35%. Um, you know, they they had some big momentum swings where there was a, a, a sequence where Platteville's number, number four, Quinton something, I forget his last name, Quinton Shields. Um, he's like an all American, really good, very dynamic player. You can tell it when he's on the floor. Um, he hits a three, gets fouled misses his foul shot. Um, so they're only up three, but then Platteville gets a rebound and get fouled on the rebound. Kid makes both his foul shots. So that's a, that's a five point possession. And then at that point it was just the, the, the you know, the momentum and, and the wind was taken out of hope sales. Platteville ended up winning by I think 10 or something like that. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was closer than the score indicated, but you know, they just, they couldn't finish. And honestly it was even more impressive of a feat from Platteville considering they had played a game like 12 hours before that they, they whooped up Olivet by like 20. Um, and then they played like 12 hours later and still beat hope, which, which was impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it shows how good they're, they are and their, their ranking shows that too. Um, yeah, the hope men's team, I mean, it's just, they're going to have games where they're shooting really clicks. And it yeah, just really hasn't happened, happened yet. yet. It really hasn't happened yet, and that's. And if their well, shooting was clicking on on even even a fraction better than it was, like if you go up from what what did I say thirty five percent, if you go up to even thirty eight percent, which is their season average, they win that game. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's that's been their problem the last you know couple of years. They play really good defense. They shoot a lot of threes, but they they end up living and dying by the three um, yeah. a little bit too much, and I think that. Uh, and they have a lot of guys that can make threes and they can live by the three quite a bit, but they, they still in big games. I mean, I know what happens in some games, but in big games, they, if their outside shooting isn't working, they haven't been able to adjust enough in the game to win it still to get the offense going some other direction. Now I know what's happened in some games, but when we get really to crunch time and we're in, you know, MIAA play or we're in, you know, tournament play or whatever. Those are the games that they need to learn from what has happened early in the year because um, Evan Thomas is a fantastic player. Yeah, he is. And there's – there. I mean, I wrote, I've written about this. I feel like this is the same storyline I've written about for two years. 
uh, when he and most of the games this year, if he if he's being covered by a good defense, double team, triple team, or whatever, and the outside shooting is not working, they've got to find a way to get the ball in the hoop, and it's they they haven't been able to consistently do that. And I think part of it is early on in the year they weren't getting to the foul line. That's a big that's a big thing that kind of spread some things out, but. Um, you know, if you don't hit one of your first couple of threes and you're a three-point shooting team, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough thing to come back from. So there's got to be some sort of adjustment where some guys can either, you know, attack the basket or get some mid-range things going on because yeah, um, it's going to be a long season if they, if they can't because they, uh, again, they'll, they might beat a team that's, on paper better than them because they do have a game where it, the shooting all clicks. I yeah. mean, that's definitely going to happen a couple of times. I can't see the outside shooting, not clicking every game for the whole year, but it's showing them now. And I think that's what has happened in previous years too, where it's, it's been streaky where they've had, you know, a couple games, great. Then one game, bad, then a couple games, great. Then one game, bad. And it's, they saw enough success. I don't think they've seen enough success with their outside shots to rely on it as much as they have. I, I will say yes. Shooting is shooting is going to be a bugaboo or, or feast or famine type of thing for this team, regardless of who they're playing. But I will say in their defense, their first eight games are four and four now. I think um, their schedule is not easy. It is, right. it is, I think they play two top ten teams. Um, took both of them to the wire. They're not getting blown out by anybody except for like when they played Western in an exhibition game, and obviously they're going to get blown out by them. The D one right. Um, so when they get to MIAA play, I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a little run, especially if that coincides with their shooting starting to click. But even if their shooting doesn't start to click, if they play the way they played against Platteville, they should be able to beat most of the teams in MIAA except for maybe Trine, who's ranked in the top 25. Right. And Trine just right. lost by 20 the other day, so they might not even be ranked anymore. Right, right. I think, yeah, I'm not really sure. The, the MIAA is – a nice gauntlet in basketball. And it's not quite the same as in football where, you know, we talk about in football where, you know, the winner of the MIAA makes the football playoff and then generally does nothing except for a couple of trying years. Um, But in basketball, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, A lot of different MIAA teams have made many runs, at least in uh, on the men's side. So, uh, which is good. That's good for the conference that, uh, that will give them a better chance of getting an at-large bid as well as a conference championship bid. Um, it, let's say somebody win, let's say Trine or Calvin wins the se- regular season title and then loses to the other or to hope or whoever in the MIAA tournament. Yeah. Maybe they both make it um, yeah. instead of just one team, which is not the case in football. So um, that is one of the best parts about the MIAA on the men's side is it is so even lately. Um you know, when I first started here, it was still kind of for both the men and the women. It was kind of Hope Calvin and then everybody else. And uh, the fact that the last few years have been, we've seen Alma win the MIAA. We've seen Trine. We've seen Adrian. We've seen Hope. We've seen Calvin. I mean, there's a lot of different. Uh, Albion has been really good at times. I mean, we've seen most teams either win it or or be in the race the whole season. Um, and that's uh and then that's a really Kalamazoo. good thing. Yeah, and then there's Kalamazoo. Yeah, they, they try. I mean they're they're they, not they're yeah. not quite as they're not quite as good. It's not quite the same disparity as it is on the women's side. No, um, but um, but on the, to be fair, on the women's side, at least in the past three four years, it's been two teams, and that's it. Right, yeah. right. So it's it, it, you know it, it is it is what it is in that regard. But it's it's it should make for an entertaining season. And uh, yeah, like you said, defensively. They keep playing like this. They should be in every game. Yeah. So it'll just I, be a I matter of getting blown out by anybody. What they do. Yeah, they're not. I mean, unless for some reason they miss everything and which that would and, and can't defend, which, yeah. you know, that does happen to good teams sometimes too, but you just can't. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on that happening. So I would guess yeah. that this is going to be a team. And that's the best part, like I said, about the MFAA is every, most, most every game is close. Um, you know, and it just, it's just little things. So if Hope can learn from these first couple few games, you know, and just find those little things, it's those little moments, those couple things, that one shot, that one rebound that can kind of and, and spark a little bit of mini run. Is getting, getting your shooting going is such a mental thing too, because it's the same thing as it is 
in hockey going through a goal scoring slump or, or if you're a baseball player and, and you are in, in a slump and not hitting the ball, if you get one hit or one game or you get one or two hits, like you're going to go on a tear after that. Cause it's just like right. seeing, it's like seeing the ball go in the net. Like once you see it like visually in front of you, like not mentally, like you actually see the ball through the net, you're like, Oh, I can do this. And then it just, yeah. you go on a roll. So right. I, I think once hope has like one or two dudes who has, has a big game, they're just going to absolutely explode. Right. Um, and, and, we, and, it's, and it's happened before. I mean, Tyler George, I mean, he's had games like that where, you know, he misses a couple, then he hits one and then it becomes four or five yeah. really quickly. It happened at the Holland Holland Christian game last night. Isaiah Arredondo for Holland, he missed his first couple and they were pretty close. One went in and then really quickly he had two more go in. That's I mean, and it just it just you know, yeah, you, that That's confidence coupled with coupled with your muscle memory, you put that together with confidence and yeah, it's it's it really works. I mean, it yeah, does. Exactly. The shots do go in, so um, should be uh, should be a really interesting season for the Hope men. They um, you know, they'll be at home uh, this week before going uh, head down to Orlando for that exactly. tournament that both the men and women will be playing in uh, that they, they, they play in just about every year. So, um, yeah, so let's shift to other college sports. I mean, we had talked about this ahead of time last week, the Heisman Trophy vote. Um, now that it's now that it's happened, I mean, we kind of expected the way it, it, it did. I mean, Agent Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan got second in the voting, which kind of makes sense based on the fact that the quarterback, the other quarterbacks were kind of the similar, yeah, you know, whatever, but he also wasn't a finalist for defensive player of the year, which to me is a little more of a knock at the defensive player of the year voting. Um, it's, but, it's, kind of, it's goofy that he wasn't a finalist for the defensive player of the year, but he wasn't the best defensive. Like he wouldn't have won it even if he was a finalist. No, no, no. But he um, definitely was within the three of those guys with Georgia and Alabama's Alabama, defensive yeah, lineman yeah. guys. I mean, he certainly is in the top five best. I can see an argument where three is kind of here or there. So, so I can, if you're limiting that to three, I can see how he might get left out. Um, personally, I probably wouldn't have left him out, but I can see an argument for a couple other guys here and there. Um, but I just, I just don't understand how he, how he was a Heisman finalist. I don't. Or, or at least a Heisman finalist, um, the only defensive Heisman finalist. Oh, he was the only one, right. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't understand that. He should I, be a Heisman finalist. Um, just. I would say the three best players in the country this whole year were defenders. Eh, maybe maybe Alabama's quarterback is a top three player, but he wasn't number one, Bryce Young. No. Right. Well, at least – so even if you throw him in there, it, three of the four. Yeah. So that's what I said. I tweet. I tweeted this the night the Heisman Trophy results came out because um, they show after the results come out, they show like the top ten vote getters. Because um, right. because the way the Heisman Trophy voting works is that sports writers vote for like their top three, um, and then they get an amount of points. And then once all the sports writers send their ballot, the person who won it is determined. Then they just decide to I don't arbitrarily give three to five people finalist positions. Um, and then they announce who got the most points. Like there's not like once the finals are announced, there's not a second vote. Like the vote is cast already. Um, so they, they, they tweeted out the top 10 and uh, Will Anderson from Bama came in fifth. Like, so he would have been the, the fifth finalist on the stage. And so I tweeted out as soon as I saw that, I'm like the, 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 the best player on Alabama's roster came in fifth place in the Heisman voting and the quarterback from Alabama won the Heisman. Right. It's just, it, 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 it's, it makes me, I don't, I'm not upset about it because Will Anderson's only a sophomore. He has a chance to, you know, do it again. But it's just like, how do you not give that dude a, a spot in New York? Well, how can you not fly him out with his teammate? I mean, like, it just seems, that seems ridiculous. I mean, he deserved a spot more than Bryce Young did. And, right. and, and Aiden Hutchinson obviously finished second, but the percentages was, was just like, if, Aiden Hudson finished second. He had like 5% of the vote where Bryce Young had like 95. It, it right, was, right. It was definitely it was a landslide. Staggering landslide, which, you know, I kind of expected uh, and, and sort of said last week, I, I expected Bryce Young to win. Um, but it's just, I don't fully understand it. He had a, he yeah. had a fantastic close to the season. His last, his last two games in the final drive of the third to last game were fantastic, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think hopefully, if anything, having Hutchinson finish second for somebody too who is a defensive lineman, not a Charles Woodson defender. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, this at least raises these discussions and arguments and debates so that that will um, maybe maybe level the playing field for defenders. Not level because there's never no way it's ever going to be even all the way around, but 
because there's but maybe it'll those... open up some more recognition for defensive players, um, you know, in the future as far yeah. as awards and, and stuff. And like you say, it's never going to be even. And I, I don't, I hesitate to say lazy sports writers because obviously I am a sports writer. I know the grind that goes into it. And and even when you're covering one specific team, you're expected to produce so much more workload around that one team. So I get it. It's it, There's a lot going on. But if you're trusted with a Heisman vote, do more than just look at stats. Watch the game. Right. And, and, and obviously offensive players are going to get skewed because the stats mean a lot more. They're going to be a lot more. But if you're right. rocking a defensive lineman, just wreck games like Aiden Hutchinson did or, or, or Jordan Travis did or, or – I'm sorry, Jordan Davis um, from Georgia or Will Anderson, like these dudes are clearly – top tier athletes in the country right like right sorry cj stroud you you were decent you were above you were a very above average quarterback but you were not a game wrecker like aiden hutchinson Williams. right right and i think that's what got hutchinson the is that the exact finalist exact. vote i mean even if he wasn't the best defender he seemed to have more signature moments yeah that's fair the only, um, I would argue that Will Anderson didn't need signature moments because Bam. Well, sure. Well, sure. But I mean, when you get down to it, I mean, those are the kind of things like when, like if you're voting for MVP for major league baseball, you might have, there, there are years where guys, you remember guys getting the big hit in the pennant race. Yeah. They might not have had the best hit. So the best stats overall, but performed the best in September or had a couple of big memorable yeah. moments. And I think that's what got Hutchinson a finalist over those other guys. Not that they shouldn't have been two. I I would agree that all three of those uh, defenders should have been three of the five finalists at yeah. least. Uh, but but I think that that's that's where that comes into play. Um, it's kind of there's it, you can make those kind of arguments about all kinds of things like what's the most valuable player versus the most outstanding player. Is there a difference? Should there be a difference? Or you know what I mean? There's the yeah. the whole right. fame quotient in hall of fame you know like um it's like it's kind of ridiculous that a mostly dh like harold baines is in the hall of fame for reaching all these stat milestones but roger maris who broke babe ruth's record and had two mvps is not because his career was too short or whatever but the yeah. fame aspect of it how has that not gotten him in the hall of Fame. I'll Bo never Jackson. know Bo jackson isn't in the mlb or, or nfl right right i mean he's the great he is by far the greatest athlete I've ever seen. Like it's not even close. I think anybody would agree with that. And that's incredible. You know, that, you know, that that's, that's kind of how it was. His career was so short, but he has the fame. Um, he's probably in the college football hall of fame. If he's not, yeah, he is in the, he is in the college football hall of fame. That that would be an absolute crime if if he wasn't. Right. Um, So, I mean, he was, he was just something else. And I barely remember watching him. Like I was just old enough to see it. And I'll be honest, he got hurt in the football. I, like, I only remember watching him in football one year, which for one year for us watching Sunday football, I probably only saw him play one game because yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't watching every game. Um, I was always him in Tech Mobile, I'll tell you that. Broken, um, yeah, he was broken. Right? You could, I mean, and that was the uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. He was faster than everybody. The first Tecmo Bowl, you could run off the side of the screen and then come on the end, you would end up on the other side. Yeah. Uh, which uh, was a nice, funny glitch to be added to that one. But, uh, but yeah, Tecmo Super Bowl, that was my jam, man, on original Nintendo. Um, so, uh, that anyway, <laughs> so he was, so he's the greatest athlete I've ever seen. I, I got to watch him play a lot of baseball. I got to watch him play a lot of baseball. I was watching when he hit that home run the All- to lead off the All Star game in '89. Um, that was the first, um, that was the first all-star game I remember watching like the whole game. Um, So that kind of started my, I don't think I've missed much, many innings of any all-star game since then. Um, But yeah, so it's just, you know, those awards, they always, and I I definitely agree. There's a difference. There can, and maybe should be a difference between most valuable player and most outstanding player. People will tell you value is value and whatever Mike Trout does is the most value, which is true. But if Mike Trout is clearly the best player and you've got somebody for another team that has three, you know, that has not quite as good stats, but really good stats and has three game winning RBIs in September that it was, that are on national TV that everybody remembers yeah. and they make the playoffs and the angels don't, 
Well, you you know what I mean? There's yeah. the, definitely the argument to be made both ways. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, so the Heisman is the Heisman in, in its definition is for the most outstanding. So it's not most valuable. It's most outstanding. Right, right, right. The Heisman definitely is that. But, yeah. But no, I, I, I think there, there, there's a, to me, at least there's a clear distinction of, of, of valuable versus outstanding. I mean, it's, it's in the definition of valuable. If you take this player away from their team, how much worse do they get? And right. that's, that's when I evaluate, if I'm saying like, even for like our all area teams, like if I'm thinking player of the year, I'm thinking most valuable player. If you take this guy away, right. this girl away, how much worse off is this team? Did they slot somebody else right in like Zealand East basketball last year? Probably could have slotted in their sixth guy. If you took somebody away and they would have been probably, they were there. fine. Yeah. He's playing college basketball. Yeah, sixth exactly. Guy. Exactly. But you know, uh, other teams, if you take their best player away, they could uh, just right. totally down spiral. Right. Uh, for sure. So, that's and you, that's and of, you mentioned uh, shifting gears. You mentioned the you know the best or the valuable for a guy or girl in football. When we were just talking about football, yeah. we gotta say that. Now. I, I I would be remiss to say if we didn't if we didn't t- talk about that for a second that Paige Westro uh, from Zealand, their kicker, was first team All State kicker, and she is the first female to ever get first team All State or any sort of All Team All State football from our area. Yeah. Um, still trying to track down how, if there's ever been any first team female in the state of Michigan. Yeah, for football. MHSA needs to do better record keeping. Yeah, so it's not. Um, yeah, and that's something that like everybody I've talked to that has been voters, they they keep saying. Well, they've all said, I don't remember that ever happening, but I also don't know officially. Don't know for so sure. yeah, exactly. You it know, so be. I mean, there's a good chance that she could be the first, or at least she's the first in a while, and um, for sure. You know, so it's still very exciting. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I mean she deserves it too. She's an oh absolutely athlete. she made every kick she had. The only extra point that she missed was something that was blocked and it wasn't her fault. She missed a um, she she got a kick blocked in the playoffs as well, but that also yeah. was not her fault. Right. So I mean anything that her foot touched went through the uprights. Yeah. And that's incredible. And that's why she won. I mean, she was first team over the kid from Chelsea who hit the game state championship game winning field goal at yeah, Ford that's, Field. That's pretty insane. Um so I mean People obviously saw what how, how well-rounded she was as far as, I mean, she was on kickoff. She made some tackles. She made all of her kicks. She did everything asked, and um, it was uh, it was impressive. I mean, uh, Tag Bonema was the first-team All-State player as well. As he should have um, And Andon Grigg, Holland's wide receiver. And then uh, Benny Diaz was the second-team selection, and we had a few honorable mentions as well. But, man, like, that's, that's just – it's very historic, and it's very cool that, I mean – We'll who knows if we'll ever have somebody who's an all state soccer player, football player. Now that happens sometimes because you got some guys to kick and yeah, and then yeah. play football. Um, but she's also an all state runner and shot putter, yeah, and she also plays basketball. She's a pretty good basketball player, I and mean, she's not, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, no, she's, she's she's gonna like pick up golf and like player way on the LPGA or something like I just don't I, 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 I've yet maybe next summer I'll challenge her to do a tennis match and see what she knows about <laughs> tennis um, <laughs> uh, but anyway uh, it's just really really cool thing really impressive um, and it's you know it, she's she earned every bit of it and I, I think that she's helping first of all she's helping just kind of be a role model for other female athletes in general not even just football players just Hey, you want to do something, try it, do it, yeah, you know, you can do it. But also she's, she's, her success is good enough that she is not a token female athlete playing a male sport. Yeah. And that's really important because that is going to be the toughest barrier to break for female athletes that compete uh, with the men or, you know, uh, or play traditional men's sports or whatever it ends up, you know, whatever the situation is that's the hardest to barrier to break down because in a lot of people's heads, they see it as kind of a token to, sort of a thing. Like, yeah, but this is no, this is no token athlete. She's not yeah, just, she's, she's, she's not just kicking extra points. She's kicking field goals. She's doing kickoff. She's making tackles. She's, she's like a captain plus yarders easily. Right. And she was a captain. I mean, like the respect is there from her team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, you don't make a, you don't make a token female kicker. No, a captain. No. Um, and I hope we start losing that term and we don't need to use that term of token very much longer at all anyway, uh, for anybody, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, a 
it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing for the area. It's an awesome thing for Zealand East. And it's an awesome thing just for high school football in the state of Michigan. I mean, it's a really cool thing. Um, So, yeah, well, I think we'll end on that. A very high note to end on. But uh, congratulations to all the All-State players. Um, That's not an easy thing to get, um, especially when you're dealing with sports writers voting from all over the state who many of them, most of them, haven't seen most of the players. So you got to figure out who, uh, what, what sets, you know, you got to figure out who to fight for. And when you're talking about players and how to, you know, what, how to find consensus when a lot of, there's not a lot of crossover coverage wise. So, uh, but I think that uh, the, and I've been on the the panel the last few years and I think that uh, just looking at the selections, I don't, uh, there's, there have been very few players that I think really deserve first team all state to not get it um, over the last few years. So that's uh, uh, that's a good thing. So we'll, hopefully that trend continues. Um, and yeah. Hopefully our area continues to pump out all state players. So um, nice. that makes it a lot more fun to cover and it makes the teams, you know, obviously improves a lot of the teams too. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we've got more rivalry stuff this week. West Ottawa girls are playing at Hamilton on Friday. Uh, the boys, West Ottawa boys are facing Holland on Friday. So West Ottawa Holland, that is a, another great rivalry to have, um, in the area. And based on how the, the year has gone so far, that's going to be a good one. Fenville's got a big game on Friday. Holland Christian girls and boys have a doubleheader, I think against South Christian at the civic on Thursday. Um, so it's, it's the rivalry week continues and it's going to be good. So, and then hope plays trine on Saturday, which is down at trine in Angola, Indiana. So, um, if, if there's ever a a week to get out and watch high school basketball, uh, this is it. Um, so, and if there was ever a game to travel to road wise or watch on the live stream, hope trine on Saturday is it. So, um, enjoy the basketball this week and, uh, we'll be back to break it all down for you next week.